Before we get started, make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. Thanks so much and enjoy the show. Welcome to the New Street X podcast today. I'm excited to have a special guest, Justin Schenkero. He is a NFT builder, collector, evangelist. He has a deep background in the entertainment and media industry across a variety of different companies, roles, etc. He's a co-founder of 3.0 Studios, founder of Hash Inc., and co-host of the NFT Heat podcast. Justin, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Welcome. Tony, thanks so much for having me. Huge fan of New Street. Uh, your whole team obviously love you and Eric. By the way, what do you think of this morning hair right here? Is this hair Look, like fire or what? It's a work of art. It's a work of art, <laughs> I would say. You this know, like, I a, wish I could do that. This is a one one right here. How many hours did you spend in front of the mirror making it like just exactly perfect? This was seven hours. I had to pull out okay. each strand of hair to make sure it stood in a the whole right team. direction. Yeah. The whole, just yeah. to get ready for this podcast, I had hair and makeup come over, wardrobe come yeah. over. Yeah, I mean, you know, the nerves are tingling right now, but the hair looks perfect. Okay, well, well, you can take a deep breath. Don't worry, this is a safe space for all of us. And I, I welcome open dialogue, honest conversations. And I think you're a great person to deliver that. So, you know, I just gave you like a, a like, you know, one of these like snappy blurbs that's from your LinkedIn, just an overview of who you are. But of course, as a human being, you've got multitudes and you have a very interesting background. And I just love to hear like for someone you meet on the street or of course at one of the many Web3 NFT events you go to, how do you introduce yourself? And then let's just dive into the stuff that you're working on. That's a that's a great question, Tony. I You know, when I meet people at Web3 events, typically I just tell them about what I'm currently up to. But my background is really deep in the entertainment industry. I grew up as an actor. I segued into producing, have been in entertainment for 25 years, worked on a bunch of cartoons, TV shows. I don't know if you ever saw a show called Hey Arnold on Nickelodeon growing up. Love it. Love it. Played Her- I, played Harold- I played Harold the Bully. Hey, Tony, get over here. Are I'm you serious? <laughs> I had no idea. This is like an honest reaction right now. Like, I used to love that show. I had no idea that I should have looked that up. I feel like I should have known that. But you have an <laughs> no. honest reaction. you like... I love that show growing up. I loved the Arnold. I could, I could like beat it football head. Anyway, anyway, please continue. No, totally. So thank you. I, so I did Hey Arnold and Recess, Life with Louie, Lloyd in Space. Uh, I've gone on to do Ice Age, Mitchell versus the Machines. Um, I have a great cartoon on now, Disney Plus, called Spidey and His Amazing Friends. Phenomenal, phenomenal. We're in our third season. Just an incredible cartoon. I play Rhino on that. Hey, Spidey, get over here. I'll web you up. Um, so Amazing. I still, <laughs> so I still am heavily involved in the web two Hollywood world. Uh, but a little over two years ago now, it just crossed my two year anniversary in the NFT space. A uh, bunch of us from college kind of formed what you would now call a DAO. We didn't know what it was at that point. We, it was just like a group of us investing together, trying to figure out NFTs. And early January, 2021, we started buying and that was it. Went down the rabbit hole. Love the space, really saw this as the future of IP. In April of 2021, I joined a hackathon by Ethereum Global. Our team ended up winning, which was sensational. And we built Hash Inc., which is an NFT autograph company. Uh, from that point, really got deep into alpha groups and buying NFTs. And then, you know, identified from my perspective that the future of content from cartoons and film and television and music and gaming will all come from the NFT space. It's going to take a while, but that's the way I see it. So my partner and I, who comes from, he comes from SpongeBob and Hey Arnold and Rick and Morty and The Simpsons. 
we built uh, 3.0 Studios, and we have a phenomenal team of animators and voiceover actors and artists and background painters. And we're the, I suppose, the largest Web3 premium animation company in the space. So we do incredible cartoons for NFT projects. We do IP development for, you know, large punk and ape holders, doodle holders. You know, if you have a premium NFT and you want to expand the IP. And really our mission is to bring these incredible NFT projects to build out their IP, to develop incredible cartoons that then can be potentially distributed on Nickelodeon, Cartoon Network, Netflix, Amazon, Fox, on the Web 2 side. And then on the Web 3 side, we have deals with watch-to-earn companies where the community can actually earn rewards and tokens by watching the cartoons. So that's been awesome. Last week, we really we launched something incredibly fun called The Morning Fork. Every day, you got to check us out. We're on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. We're doing daily drop daily episodes, and it's an animated parody show about the NFT Web3 space. So fun. So funny. Uh, we, yesterday, we did one for, on Goblin Town. The day before, we did with Sergito on his Seize the Meebs, which is a super hot project. Uh, we have some, some crazy ones coming up. Every day, check us out. Um, so that's been a blast. And then finally, I got to tell you about the Mint House. The Mint House is a drop that I've been working on with three fellow crypto punks for the last year. It's a big, uh, incredible NFT project about educating and onboarding the next 500 million people to our space. It's through storytelling. We created, it's an historic project. We created the first generative illustrative book on the blockchain. And it's a 20 page book. Every page has different art and different poetry. And it's a beautiful project. So we're very, very excited about that. Okay. Justin, thank you for sharing that sort of laundry list of exciting, awesome projects you're working on. I was just like furiously typing notes, apologies. Like I've got a lot of questions here and I'm just trying to think in my head, like, where do we begin? But I'm thinking maybe the best way to begin is, is chronologically, because it sounds like your background as an actor, voice actor in the entertainment industry, the web two quote unquote, entertainment industry, traditional industry, there, there was, that was your, your life. And then web three NFTs came along. Now, between step one, being in the traditional entertainment industry to, to step two, I mean, from, from my experience, and as, as you know as well, it's not as if everybody's into this kind of stuff, right? I, I would imagine that all of your friends who work as like actors, it's not like they all have gone into NFTs. So it must have been a moment for you, or at least a gradual thing, or maybe it was like a lightning bolt, maybe it was a friend telling you about something. What was that moment that you actually decided to take this seriously? Because you mentioned like you and some friends formed a DAO or like an unofficial DAO started investing, had the wherewithal to do that in 2021. I mean, even today we know not everybody was into this stuff. It's, we're still operating in a niche. So I'm thinking here, could you tell me what was that moment that you actually started to take these things seriously? What was your exposure to maybe crypto or NFTs and, and how did that all come about? That's a great question, Tony. So you're right, uh, early 2021, even still now, but less so now, but in the beginning I was screaming from the rooftops to all my actor friends, I was posting on Twitter, contacting them, contacting agents and entertainment lawyers and just people in my industry of this is the future. Like you got to come in. This is incredible. And they all thought it was nonsense. You know, less yeah. of them think it's nonsense now. But as you said, we're still a very small space. I mean, we're kind of an echo chamber on Twitter because all of us obviously are very much believers in this. But if you step outside our little bubble, most people still don't know what an NFT is. 
they're still very unfamiliar with Web3. They hear the scams and the rug pulls and the Sam Bankman freed. So um, we're still tiny. But yeah, I guess it was, uh, you know, I was I was initially buying from January to April of 2021, not really knowing what we were doing. We were all kind of buying together. And I thought it was quite cool, but it was really that hackathon that got me heavily involved and starting to understand the tech and blockchain and those aspects of it. Because I really, you know, I had dabbled in crypto previously, but very, very little. And so that was kind of the turning point for me to realize, wow, this is the future. There are some, you know, insanely smart developers and, and builders in this space and this is the future of tech and the future of really, from my ask, from my point of view, creative creativity. Uh, it's the future opportunity for artists and, and, you know, musicians and photographers, because through that hackathon and really understanding the royalty aspect, you know, as an actor, we get residuals, right? That's kind of what helps us keep afloat while the dry times acting is very much peaks and valleys. But for most other artists and creatives, there are no residuals. Um, and so the idea of kind of, you know, royalties, residuals, it's the same thing, applying those to different creative artists who have dry times and even more dry times, just like actors was, a you know, a life-changing moment. The fact that they could have royalties in perpetuity was like, holy smokes, this is insane. So that yeah. was it. Yeah, no, I, I love to hear that because that kind of brings in maybe like a two-part question here. And and I think maybe when you bring up these topic of royalties, it's it's a good way to bring up some topical things happening in the NFT space. But because one, um, what you mentioned about seeing a future of how people in creative industries, whether you're, let's say you're a musician. And actually, recently we had an episode with um, Shannon Herbert from Steve Aoki's Aokiverse NFT project. And, and she was talking about the idea of, you know, residuals as well for musicians, and all this different stuff. But so I'd imagine someone in the entertainment industry can understand the royalty element of NFTs that promises. So I guess my questions here are, are two part for you. One, how widespread is that knowledge of what NFTs can offer when it comes to royalties? Because I would imagine again, like still like, and cause you're, you're in the heart of the entertainment industry in LA. And I would just be curious to know, of course, we, we, we probably operate in an echo chamber, but since you know the industry relatively well, I would imagine, would you say that value proposition is clear to most people or is it still unknown? If it is unknown, why, why is that? Is it just because mass adoption hasn't come yet? Is there more need for like, a, like enter education around the stuff, more podcasts needed. And then after that, I'll ask you about your take on NFT royalties in general and all the debates happening around that. So maybe firstly, what's your take on, on the industry's understanding of the concept of royalties. And then after that, let's, let's dive into the royalties, like the debate at a marketplace level, et cetera. Yeah, that's a great question. I I think that there is, you know, <laughs> how do I put this? Um, you know, actors are not technologists, right? We have to understand that. People in the creative industries are not typically cutting edge when it comes to technology. They're typically not early adopters, right? I, I Candidly, I'm not really an early adopter in anything, but I somehow just got into this space early, fortunately. So, we're all super early adopters in this space, maybe even pre-early adopters. I don't even know if we've even hit that phase. We always say the cliche of like we're in the first inning, right, of a long inning baseball game. So I don't even know if they, even if they understand that there are residuals or royalties, they, they still feel that there's such a built-up scam around NFTs and 
that they hear all this stuff in the media that it's like goes in one ear and out the other of the potential upside for them. It's like they kind of hear it, but they don't understand it. They don't know how to buy them. They don't get it. And they're not interested really in deeping, you know, diving in and learning about it because it takes time. I mean, you know, it really, it's not easy, right? It's not easy to buy NFTs. It's, it's, uh, it's very clunky and cumbersome, which is why there's so much uh, infrastructure being built out in the space. You know, the wallets are an issue. So it takes time. It's not like, hey, uh, you can go order a latte down the street. It doesn't work that way. It will work that way at some point, but not now. And once somebody hits a wall in any capacity, you know, typically in my industry, they're done. They're like, eh. I'm not interested. I knew this thing was shady and forget it. I'm out. Well, in, in that case, if you think about the ups and downs of the industry itself, right? Like I think this time last year, or I don't know if I got that timing correctly, but there was a time where NFTs, maybe in the post Beeple sale, maybe like 2021, early 2022, it seemed like a lot more cool. This is the future. Every company is going to hire a head of Web3, a chief metaverse officer, and those people still exist. But I'd say sentiment is definitely lower versus, you know, considering all this stuff happening with FTX, even that wasn't necessarily an NFT thing. Would you say the ups and downs of the market have led to a point where, like, let's say you're talking to the head of a film studio or someone who's an executive at a, at a record label. Are they more skeptical now versus a year ago because of what's happened? Are they still believing it? And they're like, hey, don't worry, I understand these scams are a thing, but I still believe in it. Because to me, like the decisions those people make will also help impact the degree to which this is adopted. So what's the sentiment right now? Has it gone up? Has it gone down? Is it similar? You know, it's interesting. I thought that it would be down tremendously because of, you know, the SBF and and all the kind of media around that. And and obviously he's a horrible person. And there's been, you know, plenty of these bankruptcies going on over the last several months, right? There's just so many companies, like which company is solvent at this point? However, the the, the record companies, the entertainment studios, uh, the agencies, the management companies, they are very much involved in our space. A lot of them kind of doing stuff in the shadows, not overtly uh, building, but absolutely they are involved. Most of them have a chief metaverse officer. Most of them have web three teams that consist of three to four people. So they are involved, all the studios, I mean, Disney's heavily involved. Uh, Fox has an entire $100 million division that's solely focused on Web3 and blockchain. Um, so all of the studios have either investments in the space, have done drops in the space, are building in the space. So yes, I think we'll continue to see significant onboarding of large brands that will you know, help the mainstream adoption. It's going to continue to grow and it's growing and, you know, it's going to take several more years, but it's, it's happening. Yeah. And I'm bullish too. Clearly like, look, I'm doing this because I believe in it. I have a vested interest in all this happening. I'm not here to be a play a cynic, but I, I also try to think about what, what to consider. I mean, I've got friends who work at web three roles at big companies and at the end of the day, they want to prove their value, right? Like if I was chief metaverse officer at Pepsi right now, if I got hired for that role, yeah. I would have a mandate and I would want to show that I believe what I'm doing and I can move move things for the brand. Uh, yeah. Now, on the topic of royalties, uh, since it's interesting, like when I think about the royalties, I mean, and as, I, as I'm saying this out loud, just off the cuff, I'm, I'm reminded of how some things are conflated and how there might be a bit of complexity. But you know, just to recap for folks that 
aren't as aware, you know, the idea of royalties being uh, the originator of an NFT project, the creator gets a royalty off secondary sales of a particular NFT. Last year, I think around the summer, a few NFT marketplaces started moving towards zero royalties. And then there was backlash from creators led by a lot of leaders in the NFT space of certain PFP projects in particular. Now there's been kind of a backtracking by some of the marketplaces, but I would say it's still kind of up and down in terms of sentiment. Some people very much believe that royalties are not necessary and exploitative. Other people believe that taking away royalties is exploitative because that's part of the value proposition of NFTs. What's your take on this overall scenario? Because I, you know, in, in trying to be like open-minded towards everyone, I can see validity in, in, in both sides of that. But considering sure. your like decades of experience in, in residuals, right? You understand yeah. what that means to an artist, to an actor. Uh, what's your take on, on the royalty topic right now? And I'm sure you talk about it, so. Sure, yeah. I mean, I understand it from a collector standpoint, right? You know, you you're, you bought a PFP, it's, it's down in value, you're trying to sell it, you're going to lose money on the NFT, and you also have to pay a royalty to the creator, right? So you're kind of doubly screwed to some degree. However, you sh I mean, it, to me, it's a no-brainer. Of course, the, the, the reason why, as I talked to you earlier on, on the show, the reason why I, I fell in love with the space was because of royalties for artists and musicians and photographers and poets. It, it, th this space does not exist without royalties. There's no reason from my standpoint, at least on the creative side, to have NFTs or if there are no royalties. It doesn't make any sense. None. Zero. It's ridiculous. It's like a, a non-starter conversation. The fact that OpenSea almost deleted uh, royalties until they were royally attacked by many of the, the major leaders in the space and the major NFT projects and Atom Bomb Squad and many of them threatening to leave the marketplace, you know, it's, it's insanity. Um, there should be at least a 5% royalty on every project and every artist should have. And I don't mind if it's seven and a half percent or 10%. I mean, this is, this is what should be. This is why artists are creating these projects. You know, I get it. There are scams out there where there are, you know, three DGENs decentralized and they just, they, you know, they drop a project and it's a rug pool and, you know, they're out and, you know, you still got to pay them a royalty even when the project drops, but that's the nature of the space. You know, you got to, everybody's going to get scammed and rugged. I mean, I got hacked for a, a fortune a month ago and it's been terrible and digging my way out of it. I mean, Kevin, you know, thank you. It's been, it's been terrible. And I mean, I'm sure you saw yesterday, Kevin Love got hacked yep. or Kevin Rose got hacked. You know, everybody, everybody it, it, to some degree gets hacked or scammed and, and some for a significant amount, some for not, but it's the nature of the space. Um, and it's, it's, you know, one of the terrible things about it. However, we got to get through that. And royalties is a mainstay uh, that has to stay. And if it doesn't, I think it, it would tremendously damage the space. That, that makes complete sense. And, and I'd, I'd be interested to see how things like continue moving forward with this, because I feel like there's still a lot of open questions and marketplaces are still up to today, like changing their opinions on things, changing their policies, new marketplaces coming on. Yeah. Uh, now, I'd love to dive deeper into 3.0 Studios, you know, the animation company. It's it's really interesting timing because I was just reading today, you probably heard of this, but like Doodles just acquired this animation studio. I forgot yeah. the name of it, but my understanding was, and, and this is kind of like a playbook that you see in a lot of PFP projects, obviously Board Apes being one, but many others where 
if you think about the idea of decentralized IP that begins with a PFP collection and then that collection, whether it's dead fellas, apes, doodles, they want to expand the quote unquote, you know, metaverse universe into doodles, video games, uh, dead fellas, web comics, you know, uh, apes, video games too, and TV shows, whatever. I, I think some of these brands are now signed to like, like Moonbird signed to UTA recently. So it, it seems like an obvious extension of an NFT PFP project. But maybe could I hear like the sort of founding story about what this, how, how, how it all came about, the company, and I know you talked about it briefly, and some of the projects we're working on. And I don't know, do you think this is just the future of what an NFT project should be doing, like in terms of expanding their IP? And does that make it better than traditional IP? You know, I, there's like so many dynamics here. I guess just love to feel like riff on that and we can just go back and forth. Yeah, awesome. Um... Yeah, funny founding story. I was at a uh, big bag holder, Knights of DGEM, which is an NFT project. And I was at yeah. one of their events in LA, just having a drink, talking to some folks. And I was talking to this guy just across from me. It turned out he was one of the animators on Hey Arnold. Well, obviously I did one of the, you know, played Harold. And so we hit it off. We were catching up and chatting. And he was a DGEN, I'm a DGEN. And we just kind of started thinking like, you know, as you mentioned, there's such a great opportunity to expand the IP for these projects through cartoons and animation. And why don't we, with our expertise and our background and our friends who are leaders in the cartoon animation world, form a team and start doing that. And that's how it began. We just kind of dove in, jumped in, and, and we've been building ever since. And, um, you know, our team comes from a mixture of, of SpongeBob and Hey Arnold and South Park and The Simpsons and Rick and Morty. So we really are triple A team with, you know, <laughs> tons and tons and tons of experience at these great cartoons and working for studios like Pixar and Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network and Fox. And we bring that expertise to these projects. And as you mentioned earlier, yes, we firmly believe that the IP from great projects, from top projects that have strong founders, you know, their whole goal needs to be able to expand that IP, right? The NFT space is so unique because in a traditional brand or company, you go out you form your tiny little team. You try to bootstrap for, you know, 10, 15,000 that you all put money together. And then you build your little product. And then you hopefully go raise your seed around for a million. And then you build for another year. And then you try to raise your Series A around for a few million. And you try to continue to build. The NFT space is the opposite, right? You, you do this drop. At least this happened last year. They raised a few million dollars. But there was nothing there except for these PFPs. And now... You're sitting on this incredible art. Hope some of them have incredible art. You know, uh, some have a significant amount of money. Some have less money. And now it's like, wow, this is, an, this is a brand. This is an original IP. How do you continue to expand that? If you want to really build this into a serious company, you have to do toy deals. You have to do merch. You have to do cartoons. Um, and I, that is, to me, the formula for success. And we're going to see some incredible development on the entertainment side that's stemming from NFT projects. As a producer, you know, I still, I'm, I'm always looking for IP, whether that's books, life rights, story. Uh, that's what producers look for. We look for original IP that will make fascinating film or television. I look at the IP, the NFT space the same way. It's original art, it's original communities, and it's, phenomenal IP 
that the rest of the world should enjoy. And that takes, that takes cartoon, that takes development. So does it work like, okay, so let's say you approach an NFT project. I'm just going to make, make this up. Like, let's say dead fellas. And then you say, okay, the dead fellas team or however they want, they operate like as a DAO or whatever you would then, if, if, if you decide with them that you want to create a dead fellas TV show that's animated, then you do the animation there. And then what, what are like the web three elements of that? Not that there needs to be per se, but like, in that case, like, and I guess this depends obviously on the IP rights of the actual holders, but look, cause like, say for example, with Bored Apes, right? If everybody owns Bored Ape IP of the ape that they own, then would an element that makes this unique from like a commercials perspective be that when you create that animated cartoon of Bored Apes, then someone whose ape character is ape number 578, uh, he or she would then have some sort of like, I don't know, greater say in the development. They would have some sort of back-end royalty baked into that. You know, I'm just just curious about like how how much further can this get in terms of changing the way animation is done? Or is it more just doing it traditionally? It's just that the, the IP comes from an NFT and that still obviously is, is interesting itself. Yeah, there's, there's really at this point a whole mixture of deals and opportunities. We're in the very experimental phase. Right, we're, we're the idea of taking an NFT project and making a cartoon and selling it to Nickelodeon is quite novel, and it's pretty pretty darn cool. So how it works really depends on the founders of the project. Um, we come in, work intimately with them to do the development, the pre-production, the production, and the post-production. But we're heavily involved, and we are real big preachers of next generation storytelling. So we want the community involved. We want to open up a Discord channel where they can actually audition to play voiceover roles in the cartoon. We want to open up a Discord channel where the community can have involvement into the story development, into okay. episode ideas. They can pitch their own ideas. So we really want this, the community as heavily involved as possible. In terms of the characters, typically the founders have a bag that they hold of the, of the characters and they own that IP, but we're very receptive to having community IP as well involved in the project. Um, that just becomes a little bit tricky where, you know, when, if, if the goal of the project is to sell to a traditional Hollywood studio, Hollywood studios have an army of, you know, contracts where they want everything buttoned up IP wise. They don't want there to be any question marks. So what we do is if we have a community member involved, because obviously that community member could sell their NFT at any time. And what if the next holder doesn't want their ape, for example, involved in the cartoon? And, the, and that ape is one of the lead characters, there's a problem, right? So we do a contract so that they license it to the project in perpetuity, no matter whether or not that gets transferred to somebody else. And then they will earn, you know, some back-end percentage um, that the founders will work out with them. And that is all done in advance. So there's really, as I said, there's a multitude of deals and a multitude of structures that we love to employ. We're all about community. Obviously, NFTs are community first. And as much as we can have the community involved in the process and the development and part of the cartoon, the better. Well, do, do you see a world where, I guess, like if you think about Nickelodeon or Disney or Pixar, where these companies would actually start spinning out their own NFT projects or to them is Moonbirds or whatever, like a funnel for them to like, let's say, acquire and start creating movies based off that. I guess I'm just wondering, like the the dynamics of and if NFTs are a tool that's community based. 
but theoretically anyone like, you know, Bob Iger could decide tomorrow that he's going to do. And, and, you know, like they're obviously brand cuffs in a way that Disney has more than, you know, dead fellas, but theoretically Bob Iger could decide tomorrow. Let's create like, I don't know, 20 community driven NFT projects. It will like Disney will be like in, in some ways the progenitor, the originator of these different projects. Uh, is there an incentive for them to do that? Does it turn out that dead fellas becomes the next Disney themselves? Uh, I'm, I'm just curious, like, you know, from your take in the industry, what do you see as the evolution of this? You know, because right now you're talking about IP that's, that's kind of grassroots created by a, a, a uh, NFT brand, then perhaps is sold to a Nickelodeon. But would Nickelodeon someday just create their own NFTs? You know, like or like where where, where does that end up happening? Of course, I'm just asking you to predict the future here, so I know it's not not yeah, easy. Exactly. Uh, well, I'll tell you what what my ideal future is, Tony. But you're right. It's I think I. I think there's a multitude of things that they're looking at. Um, I mean, if you saw Recur is the company that went out and acquired a lot of the Nickelodeon IP uh, along with some other companies, you know, they did a drop for Hey Arnold. They did a drop for some other projects as well. Uh, So I think that these studios are looking at all different opportunities. Iger, I think is probably pretty pro web three. I heard him on a great podcast with a 16 Z and, you know, obviously he's a brilliant CEO. So yeah, I mean, they could be thinking of, hey, we're going to do 50 NFT drops, maybe one hits. It's a great way for them to do market research and determine, you know, which uh, IP people really identify with. Then obviously they, they have a machine where they can go then make cartoons or a film out of it. And then they could be looking at the opposite. They could be really looking to identify, do they want to buy Doodle? Do they want to buy a project that they feel has the legs to expand out to their massive distribution and their huge audience? I think, you know, studios are still a bit tentative to do NFT drops because most of the people out there, the majority of the fans of those, you know, traditional studios or their traditional brands still are fudding NFTs. There's still a tremendous backlash. So they're tiptoeing, you know, they're in the space, they're looking at it, they're identifying it. And I suspect we'll continue to see a tremendous evolution coming from them as it becomes much more mainstream. Well, I think it's also great that at a certain point, you'll have a critical mass of case studies, right? Of projects yeah. that have succeeded and grown to a degree where you start paying attention to them, if I am from a big traditional entertainment company. Now, a case study of success, you know, hopefully that enough, like you're clearly working on a lot of things, but I'd love to hear more about the Mint House here. So like yeah. the Mint House, first ever generative illustrative uh, uh, art on like on the blockchain, how did that come about? Well, what's like the vision behind the Mint House? And can you tell me more about like the mechanics of how, how it works exactly? Absolutely, I will. I just, I remember I didn't answer part of your question previously, which was what are we working on right now at 3.0? Oh yeah, please. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we did the Subducks cartoon, which is sensational. We have a big, big announcement coming out about that next week, which I wish I could drop the alpha on now, but I can't, but you'll see it everywhere. And um, it's very exciting. We also did the Kikiverse cartoon, which is coming out in mid-February, which is an incredible project. We were just in Basel. Uh, we did the Haritos cartoon with the DGN Arcade, which is an NFT project. We have several cartoons in development, uh, a lot of IP in development. So a lot of incredible stuff happening. And obviously, a division of, of our studio is this The Morning Fork, which is our daily parody show. Uh, so that is growing leaps and bounds. We're having a blast. So if you're interested, reach out to me regarding that. Uh, regarding the Mint House, it is the first 
generative illustrative book on the blockchain. And that's kind of a little bit of a, we call it a jib, generative okay. illustrative book. We kind of made up this term, which is fun. And like, what does that really mean? Generative illustrative book. What it means is similar to a PFP project, when you go and you mint, you don't know which PFP you're going to get. And with our book, we created several main characters. And when you mint, one of those main characters you will get, it has a, a bunch of different traits. And then that main character will follow you throughout the book. So when you mint, you're minting okay. a 20-page book, not one page, 20 pages. And that main character then gets generated in all the different, many of the different settings within that book. And there are all different characters and traits and Easter eggs. There's, you may see a cool cat. You might see a moon bird behind the scenes. You'll see all sorts of different things in this world. Um, so that's why it's taken over a year to create because the art is insane. It's gorgeous. There's 20 pages of art that had to be created and generated and different poses and different traits and characters. All of it is hand-drawn. In addition, uh, we, we, we're working with Lore Punk, who's a big punk in the space. She did a lot of the writing for Forget Runes, and she is amazing. She wrote all the poetry for the book. Um, and then, you know, we have incredible founders. One of the founders uh, is my partner is BitFutures, who's a fellow crypto punk, big proof member, Moonbird holder owns a ton of art blocks, and he's a big builder in the Web2 world. He and his wife built a company called Caitlin Minimalist over the last eight years, which is the number one site on Etsy. It's a massive jewelry company, huge. So we're a team that is very OG in the space. Uh, we're all doxxed. We're not going anywhere. We love the NFT yeah. space. We love Web3. And we're building this because we're extremely passionate about the future of our space. We believe in storytelling. Uh, the next generation of storytelling. We believe in onboarding kids and families to the space. So that's why we created this book where every night we would love for families to be able to read it to their kids. It's a bedtime story. So their kids learn about NFTs and Web3 while their parents are learning about it too through this very easy to understand and fun story. And the story kind of mirrors a little bit of Vitalik. So Vitalik you know, created Ethereum because he got rugged on a video game he had been playing for a long time. And that's our character starts out playing a video game, gets rugged, and then gets introduced to this character named Bit, who takes our character to the Mint House. And the Mint House is wow. this incredible space, and you walk inside, and it's full of artists and musicians and creators. And that's where our character learns about NFTs through the story. That's, that's fascinating because, as you were saying, it's kind of like a dual target audience of, of the parent, quote-unquote, buyer of the book who – is probably learning about NFTs in a new way, in a very interesting, entertaining way, simple way. And then right. you have a kid who is reading the book or is having their parent read them the book. And that is another way for them to talk about NFTs. This whole sort of like education around NFTs and Web3, like, look, I mean, both you and I spend a lot of our time thinking about that, like, I guess, communication of these topics. Uh, that's, that's an interesting, like, subcategory, right? Uh, do you, are there others working on this? I mean, I'm sure I could think about, like, I think I've heard about like the ABCs of Bitcoin book and there's like a few other children's ones, but uh, is that, that category fascinates me. Like, do you think education of web three and NFTs, like what's your current take on the state of that? Because as you're saying it, it surprises me that there aren't more. And, and of course you're, you're one of the first to do this. And again, we're, we're early, we're, we're like a small niche, but that to me is interesting. And I'm just curious to know, like, is that an area that you want to spend more of your time in? Because clearly if you're, if you're building this now, is this step, step one, like book one in a series of a hundred where we talk about other topics in the space? 
Absolutely. So we're building a long-term brand with the Mint House. We don't want to, you know, we've, I've been in the space for two years. My partner has, you know, our team has been, been in the space for a long time. You know, we've been involved in a lot of different projects as, as collectors. And as you know, you know, the roadmap, which everybody used to put out is just extinct from our standpoint, because we would see these projects, you know, overpromise and underdeliver. So kind of with our background as, as founders of this project, you know, we, we bring a lot of experience from, from business and entertainment. So our standpoint is we'd much rather underpromise and overdeliver. So there's no roadmap, but we have a lot of amazing things cooking that we want to launch, you know, in the next iteration of, of the project once we mint coming up soon. Uh, but we were going to kind of keep a lot of that stuff secret because, as I said, we'd much rather kind of showcase to the community how passionate we are and kind of the, the things that we have lined up for the project. In terms of education, I'm all for every project and, you know, all the, the projects and different people working on education. I think they're doing a sensational job. What we've seen is that the education aspect of the space is quite fragmented. So, you know, you can go to YouTube and you can get information. You can get a TikTok and get information. You can go to a DAO and get a little bit of information. What we want to be at the Mint House is a space where you can get all the information that you need from A to Z to really help you get onboarded into the space in a very safe manner, very secure manner. And it's teaching you in a way that's very understandable through characters, through storytelling, and through a fun, entertaining way. Well, clearly you're you're a very busy guy working on a lot of different projects, Justin. <laughs> uh, I didn't want to miss out on asking about Hashink as well. So can you tell me more about, about that? I, I want to make sure we, we've covered, probably not going to be able to cover everything you do, but I'd love to like bring that up as well. Sure. So thank you. Hashink is, you know, at this point, it's a really back burner project um, because I've got these other projects going on. They're my main focus. You know, 3.0 Studios is my main focus along with the Morning Fork and, and the Mint House. Got it. And I also have a podcast called NFT Heat. So like you, we have a weekly podcast yeah. that we do, which is which is great. We're also, in addition to being a podcast, we're a TV show because we're on Alter TV. Um, so I've got a lot on my plate. And the NFT Autograph Company is wonderful, but, you know, that would really be full time. So I've kind of put that in the back pocket. At some point, I hope to resurrect it and bring it out in the forefront. But right now, it's just sitting there, and we'll see whether it comes to uh, comes to life hopefully soon. Well, but before I ask you some questions, maybe more just like on your take about the industry right now at a macro level where you think things are going, I personally always like hearing about people's backgrounds and passions and what led them into what, doing what they're doing. Because as you may know, on, on previous episodes of podcasts, I usually talk to someone who might be working, let's say, NFTs related to music. So they might have a, a deep story about being a music fan since they're younger, or maybe like they run a sports card trading company. So maybe they say, I've been collecting Dodgers cards since I was a kid. Now, clearly for you, being someone that's worked in arts, media, entertainment, it is an industry that is driven by passion. I'm, I'm assuming, you know, you didn't grow up wanting to be an accountant. Uh, you probably grew up with some artistic endeavors in your head. And clearly now what you're doing, you know, creating children's books, creating animation studios, this is what what I would imagine is a fruition of what your maybe younger Justin wanted to do. But I'd love to just know, like when you were younger, was what was your focus? What was your passion? How's that led to what you're doing today? Yeah, that's great. I mean, it's always, I really grew up as an actor. So that's what I love doing. It's It's been a blast being in front of the camera, doing voiceover work. It's just been so fun. You know, I've had the privilege to be able to do that most of my life. And I do feel like the NFT space is kind of this, was built for me like it was built for many of us because it's kind of this uh, 
it's it's this amalgamation of of entertainment and technology and the future uh, all kind of smashed together. Where you know those of us that are building in the space, we have the opportunity to really create the future together. And what a future of a movie studio is going to look like, the future of a cartoon, the future of film and television. Again, we're early, so there's a lot of experimentation happening. Um, however, you know this some of this stuff is going to is going to change the way we watch and t- and enjoy content and and to be kind of on the forefront of that is very very exciting so i feel like this this whole space was was built for my experience and my background and i'm just privileged to be part of it well well what other things are are you excited about right now that we haven't covered like i'd always love to hear people like what are they following in terms of trends or projects i don't know if there's certain ones you're particularly a fan of or if there's certain things that really get you excited i'll, I'll leave that open-ended it doesn't have to be focused on nfts of course but like what kind of stuff are you excited about that we haven't maybe talked about <laughs> well i'm you know i I've, i'm working on so many different projects that's kind of all of my focus i don't have too much time to to sit and think about what else but it's a good i should put that in my day because that's a great thing to consider all good. Um, I think this year we're going to see a lot of meme kind of projects like uh, Sergita just dropped the seize the memes, which has done incredibly well. And, um, you know, if you listen to kind of some of the top influencers, you know, I think there's a big resonation on memes and meme land prop popped and that's done very well. So memes are, you know, a part of NFTs and a part of kind of this generation and how they consume content. I feel like this year we're also going to see, a lot more IP expansion from projects. We're gonna see projects that are gonna disappear because they don't focus on expanding their IP and they're kind of sitting on probably um, the certain amount of honeypot that is going to disintegrate quickly based on their team. And some projects that are heavily investing in their IP, developing cartoons, further developing their IP out. And those, from my standpoint, the projects that win, I think we'll see some M&A deals in the space where some projects will buy each other okay. and there'll be kind of a, you know, maybe one project takes down 10. And so we're going to see a lot of that. I mean, it's wild that we're just kind of in January and there's so much happening already. Um, you know, we're going to see stuff that, that transpires at these conferences. We've got NFT LA in March and Paris coming up. we got Eat Denver, you know, next couple of weeks and then NFT NYC, which is obviously very big. So there'll be all sorts of stuff being built and probably a lot of stuff that I, would never expect to see and it's going to happen candidly i'm a bit shocked that the space is as bullish and vibrant as it is right now because yeah i think myself like many people really thought we were going to be in a big crypto winner this year and it was going to be a pretty depressing year especially for nfts and i've seen i think we've seen quite the reversal i mean it's not massively insane but you know eth and bitcoin have been up a lot since where they were at the beginning of it, december and you know there's a lot of vibrancy around nfts right now so it's exciting to see well, also, you know, considering the sentiment, like right now, like I was, I was going to ask about your take on quote unquote bear market, but clearly it, it's an optimistic take. Would you say like from a very like pragmatic perspective too? again, going back to one of the first questions I asked you, all of your peers who are in the entertainment space before you really got into NFTs, would you say that in terms of adoption, there's also been a positive sign, like putting aside sentiment of like NFT lovers that like you and I, like in terms of like adoption, the people that maybe two years ago were telling you, what is this crazy thing? Is there still, is that group of people in your industry from your personal experience, smaller, bigger? And what's, where do you see that trending? Because 
I think there's also a difference between what you and I might experience right now and also what like other non web people experience. Yeah, the the pool of people that are in the space for my friends is larger than it was previously, that which is great. Uh, there are still many naysayers and there are still some there are people sitting on the sidelines that have heard a lot about it, not only from myself, but from other folks. And I think they're questioning, like, what is going on? Like, should I be part of this? And so they're kind of tiptoeing in the space. So I do feel like we are going to see a lot more onboarding from entertainment folks in the space that we're sitting on the sidelines. And it will continue, continue to grow as we get to that main stream. You know, my feeling is the next bull run, which most likely will come, you know, 2024, hopefully at some point, whether it's mid or the end, will be that time when we see massive, massive onboarding from the masses and it's going to be nuts in a great way. Well, that's, that's a wonderful uplifting message there. Uh, Justin, I asked the same last two questions for every guest. Uh, the first being one, where can people find you on social media website? Obviously you got the podcast, got a lot of things. So feel free to give a shout out to all of them. And the second question here is like, uh, maybe this builds on your, what your last, last thing you said, but the second question is what's one last message you'd like to leave with the audience? Great, great, great stuff. I love it. I love these questions. I'm going to have to take some of these for uh, for our podcast, Tony. <laughs> so uh, for our animation studio, you can find us at t0studios.com, T0 spelled out, Z-E-R-O, studios.com. We're also studio3.0.io. Um, on, we're on Twitter and, and all the good stuff on Instagram, at T zero studios. So you can find us there, uh, for our morning fork. We're at the morning fork on Twitter and Instagram. We're at the morning fork show on TikTok. for the mint house or the mint house.io and, uh, the mint house IO on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok as well. One of our TikToks went viral and had over 2 million views for the mint house about education, which is great. we got a great channel there. We really look at TikTok as like the Web2 channel and help onboard folks to the NFT space. Uh, myself, at Justin Shankaro, everywhere, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. Uh, you can find me, J-U-S-T-I-N-S-H-E-N-K-A-R-O-W, tweeting out all the time, posting. So, yeah, DM me, hit me up. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a big believer and lover of our space. Any last message you'd like to leave with the audience uh, on top of that? Any last message? Yeah. Dive in deep. I would suspect that your audience already is, you know, web three DGENs and loves the space. So build your IP. If you have an NFT and you believe in it, don't just let it sit in your bag, build it, you know, develop. What's the lore? What's the background? What's the character? What are episode ideas for your NFT? Um, and you know, if you're interested in working with a team of experts that really do this for a living, feel free to reach out because we'd love to help. That's what we believe in. We believe in IP and for the Mint House, you know, come, come, come see our project, come follow us on Twitter and uh, check us out because we're, uh, we're doing some incredible things and, and just proud of our team. Justin, thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate it. You're welcome, Tony. Thanks for having me. This has been fun. Thanks for listening to the New Street X podcast. You can learn more about Justin and 3.0 Studios in the show notes and learn more about New Street at newstreet.com. Make sure to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.